Last week, many of you stood and said it was your desire to begin a daily godly habit like Daniel showed us. Recall, Daniel uh, got on his knees, cried out to the Lord when? Evening, morning, noon. Say it again. Evening and morning and noon. So how did your first week go? Uh, many of you stood and said, that, that's, I'm, I'm going to do it. So how many of you would say, I, I did pretty good? I'm not saying A+, plus, but I did pretty good. How many of you would say I did pretty good? Because lots of you stood. Nice job. So I just want to encourage you, keep up the good work. This is uh, something that needs to last a lifetime in order for us to become Daniel-like. One of the core things that made Daniel so influential to three world power kings uh, was that every day he met with the king of the universe. Got it? He, he influenced world power kings by meeting with the king of kings evening, morning, and noon. So uh, I'll just say it one more time. Keep up the good work. We are in week number 19, y'all. We are... Uh, using the resource called The Story. And uh, if you haven't gotten your uh, questions, uh, Handsome King Cal has done a really nice job of putting questions together. This is uh, week number 19. Next week we'll be in week number, any guesses? We'll be in week 20. Yeah, we're not trying to uh, uh, throw any curveballs there. Uh, we're journeying from Genesis to Revelation and looking at God's story uh, and uh, again, chapter 20 next week. Today, we're going to see the very first exiles of God's chosen people. They get to come back home. They've been exiled uh, for 70 years, living in captivity under the Babylonians, and then the Babylonians were overtaken by the Persians. And now, after 70 years of captivity, the Lord lets some of them come back home. Remember this, the Lord never disciplines us to tear us down. The Lord disciplines His children, why? To draw us back. To draw us back to Himself and to get us back on track. Israel has woken up from their sin. They've come to their senses and now we're going to see them get to come back home. God's chosen people, the Jews, coming back home, I would argue, is very similar to the story found in Luke chapter 15. So we're going to see some parallels today between Israel, Judah, coming back home, and the prodigal in Luke chapter 15 coming to his senses. He's been out wandering in a distant country, living in wild and sinful living, and now the prodigal comes back home, and Judah's going to come back home as well. And that's what we're going to look at today. I wonder, as we begin, if there's any of you here today who've wandered and strayed. I wonder if there's anybody in church today, and you've been wandering and straying, and you've been far away from the Lord, and I wonder if today isn't the time for some of you to come home. In church? Really, Pastor Jeff? Why would somebody be in church if they're wandering and far away? And I would just let you know, uh, that was me for a long time, sitting in church, Sunday after Sunday, 
And even though I came on Sunday and looked like the good Christian boy, the truth was I was far away from the Lord. I, I was wandering, I had strayed, I was in a very distant country, but boy, on Sunday morning, it looked like I, I was really, really close to the Lord. So I just want you to know, I know firsthand that you can be here and actually be far away from Jesus. If you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read from the Old Testament book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 1. We're going to read the first six verses of Ezra chapter 1 together. Let's read out loud together, would you? Here we go. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God has moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that uh, you prepared a way. You cleared the path for your people to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Lord, thank you that you are an awesome God and you uh, prevailed. And I'm grateful, Lord, that we have your book today. It's, it's quick. It's powerful. It's a light for our lives it cuts down deep to our souls and spirits. So, Lord, I'm asking that even right now, your book today would show us what's going on way down deep inside of us. And, Lord, right now, I would even ask that if there are signs of drifting and wandering from you, wandering from your son Jesus, wandering from your book, would you, would you show us clearly? We invite your Holy Spirit to be welcome today in your church. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Thanks. In Luke chapter 15, that's uh, the parallel New Testament passage we're going to keep referring to. The prodigal son came to his senses. When did he come to his senses? Do you remember? Luke chapter 15. When he was eating with the pigs, uh, suddenly now the pig slop started tasting horrible. He wanted now to go home. I would argue the Lord woke him up through the pig slop, and now he says, I, I don't want to be here anymore, I want to go home. In Ezra chapter 1, Israel had been living as captives and slaves 
to the Babylonians and then the Persians. So how does the Lord make a way for Judah to return back to Jerusalem? Go back to Ezra 1. If you have your Bible, I want to show you. Ezra 1, verse 1, how did the Lord make a way for them to go home? God moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. And we say, well, okay, who is Cyrus, king of Persia? He was the most powerful king on the planet at this time. Persia controlled the entire world at that time. Tracking with me? They, they controlled everything. So if he was the king of Persia, and Persia was the world power, this is the dominant leader in all of the world at this time. Cyrus, king of Persia. Now note, look at verse 1. It's like he wakes up one morning... And he says, you know what? I think I'm going to be nice to the Jews today. I think I'm going to do some really good things for all the Jewish people living in my kingdom. And I'm sure his advisors are saying, what? What, what, what did you have before you went to bed? Uh, have you had your coffee yet, Cyrus? What's going on? And he says, no, I'm not exactly sure why either, but I'm going to open up my royal checkbook and I'm going to help them rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. And I'm sure whoever was the one writing everything down uh, is, okay, if that's what you really want me to write, uh, I'll write it down. Uh, we're not really sure what's going on here. And he says, I'm, I'm going to return all the gold and silver. Look down at chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. All the gold and silver dishes and pans and bowls. That king from Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he took all uh, the gold and silver from the temple. I'm going to return all that stuff. I, I'm going to send it back with all of these Jews as they go back to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And he says, not only that, I'm going to protect these exiles. As they go back, I'm going to make sure they get back there safely. I'm going to encourage, this is pretty amazing, did you catch that when we read I'm going to encourage everybody in the kingdom, be generous towards my chosen people, God's chosen people. Be generous towards them. Get involved. Give them gifts as they head back to Jerusalem. The God of the Bible, who's alive and active, moved on Cyrus's heart to clear the way. He moved on Cyrus's heart to make the way for Judah to head home. It's pretty amazing. It really is. And that same God in Luke chapter 15 is active and alive. He moves on the prodigal's heart, wakes him up, comes to his senses and says, you know what, I think I want to go home. I don't think I want to stay here in this far distant country anymore. And I just want to say one more time, very well could be some of you here today who've drifted and wandered away from the Lord Jesus. Maybe you've been drifting for a long time. I drifted and was wandering for years. Maybe you've only drifted and wandered for a few months, or a few weeks, or maybe even a few days. But I just want you to know, when you're wandering and drifting and away from Jesus, you're in a distant land. And I would argue you're in a dangerous land. 
But I have good news. You ready? Here's the good news. Our God is in the business of clearing the way and making a way for us to come home to Him. That was true back in Luke chapter 15. That was true back in Ezra chapter 1. Give me your eyes right now. Balcony, it's true today, 2017. God's still in the business of clearing the way and making a way for us to come home. He'll move powerfully. He moved powerfully on Cyrus's heart. He moved powerfully on the prodigal's heart. Are you ready? And he'll move powerfully on your heart if you let him. If you let him. So the first thing that we see with both Judah and the prodigal as the Lord works powerfully on their hearts, makes a way, clears the path for them to come home to him. Second thing that we see, if you're taking notes, that's the first thing. Second thing that we see is that when Israel gets back home, when the prodigal gets back home, it's not just business as usual. Ready? It's not just we're just going to go and do the very same things we always did before. When they get back home, things are different. It's going to be different for Judah. It's going to be different for the prodigal son. If you have your Bible, look at Ezra 3, verse 3. Logan's going to put it up on the wall, too. It says this, Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they were scared. They built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both morning and evening sacrifices. Very first thing the returning exiles did, they built an altar to God. Now, they hadn't finished the temple, but they built the altar so that they could make sacrifices for their sins to God Almighty. I would argue they put God first. Before they worried about their own tents or their own houses, they made God their priority. Get, getting right with God was the first thing they did. In order for them to be in right relationship with Jehovah God, they needed to sacrifice for their sin. And that's the very first thing they do when they arrive back in Jerusalem. Uh, same thing is true with the prodigal. Luke chapter 15, verse 21, here's what it says. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What was the prodigal's priority here? Confession of his sin. Father, I've sinned, and I want to come back and get back in right relationship with you. He confesses with his mouth his sin to the Father. When we get back and it's time to come home to the Lord, things have to be different this time. You tracking with me? You can't just go on like you always did before. When you come back to Jesus, when you come back to your spouse, when you come back to your family, when you come back to sobriety, you can't just keep doing the same things over and over again, expecting the same result. Okay, we we do it over and over again, and I th well, this time it's going to be different. When you keep doing the same things over and over again, and you expect a different result, what's that called? You know that one, don't you? And yet, so often it's true. We we act insane. Nothing changes, but we expect that this time it's going to be different. No, it's not. Things have to change if it's going to be different. We have to develop habits 
that help. And we have to replace and identify habits that hurt us. You tracking with me? We need to develop habits that help. For instance, evening, morning, noon. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a habit because I know this one's going to help. I'm going to cry out to you three times. I'm going to get on my knees three times a day and cry out to you because I know that one will help. And I need to identify and replace the habits that are hurting and harming and knocking me down and making me act insane. Well, uh, how do I know what habits are hurting me? Can I see those of you who are married? Can I raise your hand? Come on. You can admit it. Anybody in the balcony married? Okay. Okay. You ready? Um, honey? Wifey? Uh, husbandy? Uh, Please be gentle, but I need to ask you a question. Um, what are the things that I'm doing that are hurting me? Okay, So you probably need to ask them to be gentle, but I promise you, if you're married, they have some answers for you. Okay, So if you're married, I know who to ask. They're very aware of the things that, that are hurting and harming and, and could and should be changed. Uh, single? Those of you who are single, can I see your hands? Okay. Hopefully none of the same folks just raise their hands. Because um, that will hurt you if you don't know the difference. Yeah. Uh, ask a good friend. Ask a family member. And again, please ask them. Be gentle. Don't kill me. I'm not inviting you to uh, take a two-by-four upside my head. Uh, but gently, would you please tell me, what is it that I keep doing that keeps knocking me down? You got an old pet sin that won't die? Are you ready? Lord, how can I kill this old pet sin? Here's what I promise you. If you'll say, Lord, and you really mean it, how can this old pet sin that keeps coming back and, and, and knocking me down spiritually and, and making me miserable and hurting and harming me, how can, how can I, with your help, kill it? Can I, here's what I know. He'll show you. The problem is, once he shows you, a lot of times uh, we're like, uh, got another option? Because <laughs> the problem with pet sins is what? We tend to like them. They tend to be something that, that we are drawn to because if it was something we hated, it wouldn't be a problem, would it? It, it wouldn't. Um, I've never had a problem with smoking because it doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. There's no desire. It's smells bad. It tastes bad. Um, if you've ever kissed somebody who smoked, it's like licking an ashtray. It's like, I'm sorry uh, if that's your problem, but that's just not mine. I got mine, and here's the point. The ones that you struggle with, that's a desire, that's a draw for you. Lord, show me how to kill it. And I promise you, He will. Now, now the question becomes, will you listen? Uh, the Jews returning from captivity had to just say, Lord, show it, make it clear, and you're the priority. They rebuilt the altar. They did the sacrifices, even though they were afraid, right away, before they even built their own homes. The prodigal didn't run up to dad, listen, and say, hey, dad, I'm home. Where's my robe? Where's my ring? Where's my sandals? What did he do first? Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against you and against heaven. 
forgive me. Again, can't just go back and want to do the very same things you've been doing. Confession of his sin with the Father had to come first. So, to come home first, the Lord powerfully works on our hearts, clears a path, makes the way so we can come home. Second, when uh, you get going home with both Judah and the prodigals, it's not just business as usual. You need to deal with your sin. You need to put God first. Third, third uh, thing that you need to know about if you're going to come home to the Lord. It, it doesn't mean because you're now back with the Lord that it's going to be smooth sailing. Just because you come running home to Jesus, give me your eyes, you need to know this. Well, now everything will be wonderful and rosy and no more problems and no more issues. Wrong. That's a lie. The prodigal's brother was so angry that his brother was home and restored fully as a family member. I'm not going to that party. I'm not going to celebrate my brother's return. Do you recall? Seems he wished his brother was still living far away. I liked it better when my little brother was off living in wild, sinful... I wish he would have died in that pig pen of his sin. Seems to be what he's thinking. Not everybody's going to be happy. There's going to be opposition when you come home to Jesus. Judah was attacked and opposed by their neighbors. If you have your Bible, go to Ezra chapter 4. Logan will put it up here on, on the wall for you. But I want to show you, there was opposition once they arrived back in Jerusalem. Here we go. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build because like you, we seek your God. We've been sacrificing to him since the time of Big E, the king of Assyria, who brought us here. We want to join in. Let, let us be part of you. Zerubbabel, Joshua, the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, uh, Excuse me, but you'll have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We belong to him. You don't. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. So, no, you're not going to help. You're not a part of us. You just want to infiltrate and pretend like you're one of us, but you're really not. And we know that. So they're upset. Verse 4, here's what they do. Uh, then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah. Stop there. First thing they do is they want to discourage them. You people aren't carpenters. You come back from this faraway land, you can't even build an outhouse. Well, who do you think you are? You aren't all that special. If you were special, your God would not have allowed your city to get destroyed and dragged you off. He doesn't really love you that much. They were using words of discouragement against them. Second uh, act of opposition, go back. It says, the people around them, verse 4, set out to discourage the people of Judah. And the second thing they did, and make them afraid to go on building. They said, uh, you people have no walls to keep the bad guys out. Did you know that? You're vulnerable. You got no soldiers to protect you. Did you know there are some really bad actors around here? 
y'all better watch your back because I think some bad things are going to happen to you. They instilled in them fear. They did everything they could to discourage them. Secondly, they did everything they could to make them afraid. Uh, and then if that wasn't enough, look at verse 5. Uh, they bribed the officials to work against them and frustrate their plans. They bribed the local zoning board. They bribed the township officials. They bribed the building inspectors. Whoever they could give money to to work against the Jews, they bribed. And here's what you need to know. Give me your eyes. And it worked. And it worked. For ten years, the building of the temple stopped. It worked. Their opposition worked. Uh, and they went from God first and me second. What do you suppose happened in, in, is they got discouraged and afraid and there was opposition. Who became first? It was me first and then God second. And, and we're going to do my, I'm going to start working on my house and getting my home in order and then I'll worry about God. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too discouraging. It's too scary. They had good excuses, they thought. They lost momentum. They lost enthusiasm. They were stuck, and they were afraid, and they were discouraged. I find it interesting that the enemies of Jesus and his church are still operating out of the same playbook. Isn't that interesting? I, things really, in 2,500 years, haven't changed. 2,500 years later, Satan is working to discourage us as followers of Jesus. Life is really hard. It's not fair. If, if you really love Jesus, why does it have to be so hard? If the enemy can get us afraid, well, what if this happens? Unknown, fill in the blank. Well, what if this might occur? And he does everything he can to make us afraid. And that's what he was doing there. And then he does everything he can to give us some opposition. Opposition on the job. Opposition with our spouse, with our family, with our children. Opposition at church. I'm telling you, the, the playbook has not changed. And it's amazing how fast we lose momentum and enthusiasm for the Lord. Why? Because I'm discouraged. Because I'm afraid. Because it's hard, because it's difficult, because it's discouraging. And then we get stuck and we quit. And I would just ask you a question. When we get stuck and we quit, who wins? The enemy wins. It's, the enemy now is on the winning side when we get stuck and we quit. Okay, to go home, the Lord works powerfully in our lives to clear a path back to himself. He, he makes the way home. Secondly, it's not business as usual when you go home. The prodigal confessed his sin. They offered sacrifices for their sin. They put God first when they got back home. Third, both Judah and the prodigal faced opposition. Both Judah and the prodigal uh, realized not everybody's happy that I'm going home. So if you choose to go home, no. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be people who want to attack 
and discourage and do everything they can to make you quit. Fourth, and finally, um, the Lord brings encouragement despite the opposition. I like this. Where was the encouragement for the prodigal? Luke 15. Think about it. Where was the encouragement for, for that he was eating with the pigs and now he comes home? Where was the encouragement? You ready? They had this amazing party, did they not? And everyone except the older brother were celebrating his return. And there was a party, and there was a celebration, and we want you to know, little brother, we're glad you're home. Even though big brother was in there pouting, everyone else was celebrating, encouraging him with his return. With Judah, the encouragement came in the form of two prophets. Anybody read? Anybody know the name of the two prophets that the Lord sent to encourage and challenge them? Anybody remember? Uh, they kind of got strange names. Anybody? Haggai and Zechariah. So the Lord sends two prophets, and they are sent to Judah to wake them up, to challenge them, to encourage them to finish the job. And they do that, and they go and they challenge. Haggai 1 in verse 14 says, The Lord stirred up Zerubbabel and Joshua and the priests, and the exiles living in Jerusalem, and guess what? They started to rebuild the temple. They got busy after 10 years. Despite their discouragement, despite their fear, despite the opposition, they had God send them some encouraging guys. We can do it. And guess what? Are you ready? They finished the temple. And now God's blessing, God's applause were once again on God's chosen people. Final question and we're done. Have you wandered and drifted away from Jesus? Could be years, could be months, weeks, maybe just a few days. Is it time to come home? Is it, is it time to come home? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes, would you, just for a few moments, and just want to lead you in a prayer. Uh, Lord, we just saw that when people desire to come home to you, that you are the powerful one who clears the way and make a way for us to come home. And Lord, I know it's always your desire if uh, we've drifted and wandered for us to come home. So thanks for being awesome and powerful enough to make a way for whoever wants to come home. Lord, it's also true that when we come running back to you, things got to be different. We need to be ready to confess sin. We need to be willing to make Jesus, living for him, the number one priority of our life. Lord, I'm reminded that when we come home to you, there's going to be opposition. Not everybody's going to be happy. Satan is going to do everything he can to attempt to discourage and bring fear and make it hard for us to do it your way, to live strong for you. We're grateful, Lord, that you still bring encouragement. 
you still today bring people to challenge and encourage and confront and listen and care and pray and walk through valleys with us. Lord, help us to look deep down even right now. If there are those who need to come home today, would you wake them up? Would you help them come to their senses even right now? Would you give them the courage to come home to you?